There's a passage that I read quite often and I have to remind myself exactly what it means. And when I read and study it, I find in so many ways how that I fail miserably. Here's how it goes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. The writer wrote so long ago, he says, Whatsoever your hands find to do, you do it with all of your mind. For therefore there is no work, there is no device, no knowledge, no wisdom in the grave where that you were going. When I read this, I understand that I get one shot in life to serve God. After I close my eyelids in death, my works and my toils and my labors on this earth is over. So what I want to understand, what I need to understand, hopefully that you'll understand tonight at the close of the lesson, that we need to understand that there is task that God has asked us to do, the things that He's asked us to do, I can reassure you there were things worthwhile doing. The days I've been ready to live, I hope that I will give God my best and hope that He will be satisfied with the effort that I put forth. Many times I will fail. But I do hope they'll be pleased because of the effort that I have made and you have made. And that the effort and the success that we may be in leading others to Christ, to glorify God, to exalt His name above all and every name, we're proud of the fact that we're His children and we can do those things. I want to live a happy, meaningful life. When I read Ecclesiastes 90 verse 10, I think it's very important that I be successful, have a successful life, and a life worthwhile spiritually speaking. Those are the most important things that matters. That we can have an impact on others. At the same time in the process that we may save our souls through our task and our labor in serving God. That we might be a source of encouragement to others. When I look again in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10, I understand the task that is before me is a very serious by nature. And I've got a lot of things to do before I leave this world. There's a lot of things that I know that I need to do. I've yet to accomplish that. In enduring that, I need the prayers of the congregation and likewise I towards you that we might be found pleasing in the endeavor that we have to serve God. One friend of mine, and I've told you this story before, it was 92 years of age, I do believe at the time, 92 or 93, and he was still teaching Bible class. And some of the younger members brought it to his attention and said, Well, you know, you've been doing this for 90-some years. Why don't you retire? Why don't you take a break? And the response was from the Bible teacher, Brother Hugh Thomas, I'll tell you. Brother Hugh Thomas, who attended the Providence congregation, he looked at the young whippersnapper that made that comment to him. He says, Son... I'd rather be used up than rushed up. That is my goal. When I close my eyelids, Brother Rowe, I want to be completely used up. I don't want another ounce of strength in me. I want to be exhausted. I want everything that I possibly could have done. I hope that I have done that. Because I understand for the third time. In the grave where I go, there is no more knowledge, no more wisdom. There is no more work. There is no more device. So again, while I have the essence of life, there is task that is worthwhile doing. Now let's get into the lesson. 
in Proverbs chapter 27. In Proverbs chapter 27, there is something that is worthwhile doing because we have little time to do it. Found in Proverbs chapter 27, look at verse 17 very closely. Look at that. It says, quote, Arn sharpeth arn. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The word countenance simply means the image or the feature. Arn shapeth arn. If you've seen a blacksmith who has a piece of metal there and he gets it so hot and he hammers it and he hammers it, he can make a horseshoe out of it or anything that he so desires if he has a pattern to go by, he can make it. Arn shapeth arn. So a man sharpeneth the features of his friend. What are we talking about here? Study God's word with a friend. And it is this word that changes our features or our countenance. When we have a Bible study with a friend, it molds us and makes us a child of God as it is found in the Bible that we should do. How many Bible studies do we have in our own home? How many, how many of us actually sit down and study the Word of God with their family, our own Bible studies, and sit down and talk about and review the lessons that we may have had here or elsewhere or heard somewhere else? To actually sit down and read and hammer and study the Word of God. When we read and study the Word of God and we have a burning desire to do that, it makes us a better person. We have a better understanding of what the will of God is. Arn shapeth arm. The Word shapeth us to the creature that God intends us to be. That He wants us to be. I have a little time to do that in. And we can see the vast importance behind that. I've studied the Word of God. It is something that should not be taken lightly. Something that is very serious. Because you've heard me say that more than one occasion. It is this Word that has been given unto us that will determine your and my destiny of our soul where He shall spend eternity. This is the Word. And this is the Word that molds us and makes us after God's will. This right here. We use this to hammer us out and to make us fit as children of God. That's what we have. Let's read that again. Arn shapeth arn. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. We understand what the word sharpen means. When you sharpen your lawnmower blade, it cuts grass even. You have a better cut. He makes it slicker. So we sharpen our countenance. We sharpen ourselves through the study of the Word of God. It makes us sharp and it makes us wise. We do a better job then because we're sharp. Our mind is sharp. Because of the knowledge, because of the Word that we have studied, it makes us sharp. We've got a little time left to do that. Another task that is worthwhile doing, if you please, in the study of Hebrews chapter 13. Beginning in verse 1, the writer says, Let brotherly love continue. We understand that. Verse 2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. We understand the story behind that. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Now, we understand the principle of the message that is given there. But why can't we not invite strangers? Strangers, individuals who are foreign to the truth. 
Why can't we sit down and, and study with them and invite them to the services? We can go out to a total stranger. It doesn't make any difference what part of the world it may be in. We can go to part of the world and we can talk about... Wes can go talk about somebody about an old Red Mahindra tractor and he can tear that thing apart and put it back together. Go to a total stranger and tell you all about it. Roger can go to a total stranger and talk about computers and turn them apart and put them back together. Everybody has their skills. Brother Doug can talk about how to drive 18 wheelers. I don't know nothing about them. Don't want to know. I'm scared of them. But he can tell you all about those things. And we're not reserved. We don't care. We're not embarrassed. We're not intimidated. We can go to them and talk to total strangers about everything under the sun with the exception of the Word of God. Generally, that will be the last on the thing. We can talk about all the stats and basketball and baseball and football. But we can't invite people to the service. Those who are strangers to the truth. Why can't we do that? You know, that is our, that is our task, and that is something that we've been commissioned to do. That is the commandment God has given to us, to disciples, go to all the world. That is a task. But one simple thing, to invite people to their service. We can come to their homes and have a, a big picnic. We can play volleyball or go horseback riding or go four wheeling or whatever it is. But we can't invite them to their service. Why is that? Why is it? We're failing to see the task that is before us. We realize that we are not using and executing the precious commodity that is called time before us. We're failing to understand that the grave, whether thou goest, there's no more work or no more device. There's nothing else that we can do. It's over. That the things that we should have done will not get done. Because we didn't realize the seriousness of the task that is before us. Task worth doing. Let me share with you a, a, a thought that is given to us in the book of Psalms. In Psalms 107, if you wish to turn there and to follow along, Psalms 107, <clears throat> in verse 8, Oh, David says here, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Did you notice that? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Let, let me present a task before you. And he goes to me as well. Sit down. Sit down. And get you pieces of paper and a pen. And, and someday when you have a few moments of spare time, sit down with a piece of paper and a pen. And write down everything that comes to your mind that you're thankful for, that you've got. <clears throat> Sit down, once again, and write down a list of everything that you're thankful for. And think, as David writes in this passage, 
think how well that we're being taken care of and be very serious and acknowledge in our thankfulness before God of all good things comes from God. That is a task that I will put in front of you. That He takes care of us. When we understand that, who's in charge, who's in calling the shots, the things that we have in this life and the things to come, it makes us more thankful and more appreciative of that. This is a task worth doing. Another task that is given unto us, very quickly, I want to go through this. It's found in, in, uh, in 1 John. In 1 John chapter 3, there's a passage given unto us beginning really in verse 16. Of John is speaking about the love that we need to have one for another as it has been graciously shown unto us. We understand that. But look at verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? That ends with the question. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but let us love in deed and in truth. What have we prospered? If we have the world's good and we see a brother in need and we shut up our bowels of compassion, our emotion sides that God has given unto us. And we do not tend to the needs, things that it's lacking, we have the goods and the means and the ability to supply what lacketh. What good does it say that we love our brother and we turn ourselves away and not supply what is lacking? Do not love in word, neither in tongue, but let's do it in deed and in truth. Spend quality time with your brother and sister in Christ. Be a friend. Be not just a friend, but be a genuine friend. Be there with him when he needs you the most. Be there. That is a task that we have. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to be remembered of, of your kindness and hospitality? Not that we want to receive any praise or recognition from a man. That's not why we do those things. But we do it because we're obedient children of God because that's what He's asked us to do. And that is a great task before us. Sometimes we think within ourselves that if we could do some big, mighty, magnificent, wonderful deed that catches everybody's attention... Wow, would that be great to see your paper in the headlines that he did this or he did that, all these wonderful things. That's not the task that I'm talking about. The deeds and the task that I'm talking about is to simply show love for your brethren. To be there with them when they need you the most. Be all that you possibly can be. That is a task that will never be forgotten. Now we can show examples. We have so many people in this congregation. And, and I've used this and I get reluctant of using it so many times. The closest that when one sneezes, the other catches the cold. No, that's, that's close. That's what it's all about. When there's problems, 
What are you gonna call? You remember the old the old slogan, the old cartoons? You who are you gonna call? We're gonna call the Ghostbusters. You remember that slogan? All you guys and gals, you know that TV series that used to be coming on. Who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters? No. We're gonna call our brother or sister in Christ. When you hurt, aches and pains and things that bothers you, who are you gonna call? Anyone you pick it out in this congregation, all you do is pick up a phone. Say, I need help. I need to go to the doctor. I need this. I need that. Will you help me? We can't, can I? You know why? It's an honor when people call on you and ask you to do something. You know what that means? They put trust in you. They put confidence in you. That's what it's all about. I take pride in that. And again, as my brother says, I want to be used up, not rushed up. I've got all the time in the world someday to sleep as I'll be planted beneath the sod someday. I've got all times in the world to sleep. I want to do all that I possibly can today to do what I need to do to be pleasing unto God. Some of the things is rather simple. Some of the tasks that is worth considering Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2, very briefly. In Proverbs chapter 2. Task worth doing is worth doing right. The instructions that God has given unto me, I'm going to do the very best I can. Hopefully that is the goal that you have. One of the things that I like about the Bible, one of many things, especially in the study of Proverbs, it's down to the basics, things that is... Essential things that we can do, things that we must do in order to be pleasing and acceptable before God. It's simple things. The Bible gives unto us clear, simple instructions that you can't misunderstand them. In the book of Proverbs, if you will, if you will study really in detail, in Proverbs chapter 2, beginning verses 1 through 15, I'm not going to read all of those things. But in it is, 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 is words of wisdom that keeps us from pain and misery and, and discomfort in life. Beginning verse 1. My son, listen to the simple instructions. This is a task. If thou will receive my words and hide the commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart unto understanding. Thou shalt, verse 5, understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. He layeth up, in verse 7, sound wisdom for the righteous. He is the buckler to them that walketh upright. He that keepeth the path of judgment and preserveth the way of the saints. Verse 10. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant to thy soul. Verse 11 talks about discretion. Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward to perverse things. These are paths, this is knowledge, this is instructions toward righteousness of what we can do to save ourselves a lot of heartache and grief and pain. Simple instructions. And the list goes on and on. Look at verse 17. Those who forsaketh the guide of their youth and forgetteth the covenant of the God. For the house inclineth unto death and her past unto the dead. Talk about individuals who, who follows their own person, who gets themselves into trouble and mischief. 
those are the things that we need to consider. In verse 20, Thou mayest walk in the way of good man, and keepeth the path of righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But then he goes on, he talks about, But the wicked shall be cut off the earth, and the transgressor shall be rooted out of it. These are the instructions given unto us so plain and simple what it takes that we can have a, a good relationship one with another, but most importantly before God. The simple task worth doing and worth considering to memorize these things. And again, I'm just as guilty perhaps as any to memorize things. We, we can remember... Some people have a photographic memory that they can just remember everybody's phone numbers and addresses and their names and the list goes on and on and on. And, and we can remember the staff of all the ball players and, and all the things, whatever it may be. We can know all of those things. But when it comes right down to the nitty gritty, I can't tell you the simple plan of salvation. Can't talk about some of the faithful characters that we read about in the Bible that. Forget all about those things. The task that has been given unto us by God is for our own betterment. To memorize these things. I'm not saying that we need to go to the book and memorize every book, chapter, and verse. That would be ridiculous in making that comment. But we can memorize enough to understand enough of what it takes to please God. And then one by one, study them that we might improve ourselves. That is a task that is given to each and every one. I also find a task that is given unto us by the Apostle Paul that he makes mention himself, dealing with himself. In Romans 12, the task that was before him is a task that he asks each and every one to perform as well. Paul wrote, beginning verse 1, he says, I beg you, or I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your, notice, is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable, that perfect will of God. But look at the verse 1, he says, a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice for the Lord. A person who is loving, a person who is caring, an individual who makes his life worthwhile, and not only his life, but make other people's lives worthwhile as well. This is a person who is genuine in his sacrifice in serving God. That I want to give of myself serving God and to others that we might be better people. And that is a task that we have before us. One final passage I'm going to share with you is in, in uh, a study of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 12. Very weighty passage. Hebrews 12, beginning in, in verse 12. Another task worth doing. The writer says, Wherefore, lift up the hands 
which hang down, and the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. Here the passage is given very clearly unto me. The writer speaks of those whose hands hang down, whose knees are feeble, who are weak. Is a gesture to us that individuals who become discouraged. I've noted individuals in my life when I obeyed the gospel, when I started preaching the gospel of Christ in the most feeblest way that I know how, you'll have moments and periods, believe me, that you will become discouraged and heartbroke, and you'll feel for a moment to throw in the white flag and just, just merely surrender sometimes because you ask yourself, is it worth it? the heartache and the grief that sometimes that you'll receive. The writer makes mention here again in Hebrews 12 and verse 12, one of the amazing tasks that is given unto us is to encourage people who have been discouraged to be there. A lot of people in my life, many are present here tonight, most have gone on have always given to me proper advice and wisdom. Most I have heeded, some I have failed and paid the price. They have given me the ample advice and support when I needed the most. They were there for me, they opened up their heart and their home. And truly that is a task that I too will take to my grave of appreciation. This is an amazing task. And again, going back to the comment that I made a moment ago, sometimes we feel like that we need to do some great big thing on the billboard or the poster for everybody to see. But to be there to give advice, to offer solid wisdom, is one of the greatest tasks that we can do. When we see our brother or sister in Christ that has been identified here in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 12 and following, that when we see that their spiritual hands are hung down and their knees are bent, they call to whether adversity, sorrow, or grief that they may or may not be going through in life has caused them to be weak. A task that you'll never regret is to be there and help them and support them and lift them up in a time of need the greatest thing that we can do. If you're here tonight and you see yourself that you have felt miserably in any, some, or all of these areas, the prayers of the congregation to lift you up and to strengthen you again, this is a chance and opportunity. And if you're present here tonight and never obeyed the gospel of Christ, let me reassure you the greatest task that is in front of you is to make that choice and decision to become a child of God. To obey His will and become a child of God tonight. <coughs> that is a task that you will never regret all the days of your life. That we might be successful. That we might be fruitful. And that we might be productive 
the time that God has given to us in this earth, serving Him, giving our very best, the task that He's asked us to do that is not impossible for us to achieve.